My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Mmm, ooh, guys, you have great questions. Again, who in the hell writes these questions? I know you do, but my God, these are great. Um, wow. Uh, I thought this was going to be an easy question. Usually you get to the last question. It's like, just take it home. Um, that is a really good question. So, Hello and welcome back to another episode of Tiny Giants, or welcome if this is your first time joining us. I am your host, T. Adela, your favorite former 400-pounder getting you fit on all things creator economy. And this is the Creator Economy Show, where we focus on careers over celebrity. And in today's episode, I'm pleased to bring you a conversation with our guest, Henrik de Gior. Henrik de Gior is a virtual consultant at Another Damn Consultancy who assists, advise, and advocates for his clients. He is also the co-founder of MyDamnServices.com. Henrik has previously worked in the field of advertising, automobiles, construction, education, finance, journalism, manufacturing, marketing, media, retail, and technology. Henrik has written nine books, nine, that's one less than 10, y'all, in eight years and created nine podcast series. He works virtually from South Carolina, where he lives with his wife. My conversation with Henrik DeGuer is next on Tiny Giants. Henrik, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, T. Appreciate it. My pleasure. So the general premise of this show is that you get big by going small, right? Don't try to boil the ocean. Don't try to be all things to all people. Pick a lane, pick one or two things that you want to be really good at or known for. And then paradoxically, once you hyper-focus on those things, then you'll get known for other things, right? So if we pick people in our space, like, and I have my my issues with some of what he says, but pick Gary Vaynerchuk, for example, right? He started out as a wine influencer on YouTube. That's where he started out, reviewing wine. And then, you know, fast forward a decade and a half and there's Vayner Media. he's an investor, he's all of these things, but it started with wine, right? So Tell us that story. Take us on that journey. Because, you know, in theory, you could have been anything, right? You could have been a brain surgeon. You could have been an astronaut. You could have been a Michelin star chef. You could have done all of these things, but, you know, you landed where you landed. So help us understand, you know, how you landed. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually started as a photographer, interestingly enough. I started as a creative. Um, uh, That's what I aspired to become when I was in school. 
Um, so I went to school for it and got a degree in it and then realized, um, I may have to make money too, but, uh, I, I followed my dream. I went into, uh, photojournalism. I became a, uh, award-winning photojournalist. I worked for several well-known newspapers and magazines in uh, the Washington DC area. Uh, I did that for about 10 years as a professional. And then I realized, well, I saw the writing on the wall and I was like, well, um, what's, what's next? Um, how can I use the skills that I already have and do something pivot, if you will, to something uh, that will pot- potentially last longer? Because I've had my adventure, you know, on the photography scale, it's high adventure, low pay for the most part. Mm-hmm. So I actually flipped those and I was like, well, high, it's either high adventure, low pay or high pay, low adventure, potentially speaking. But it, uh, there's a, there was a, a thing going on as far as uh, digital photography. So all the publications I joined at the time, they went from film to digital. And I noticed that people didn't want to manage what they had created uh, in the digital world. So uh, there was this thing that started up called DAM, Digital Asset Management. And I realized that nobody wanted to add metadata to their files, but I was. And I could find those pictures of the politician that was not available for comment after he did something stupid, or uh, when you really need something 15 minutes before deadline, you could find it in a minute or less based on metadata and very dry subjects like metadata and file management and finding your stuff is the short answer. And uh, that was that field became digital asset management as we know it today. And I became uh, a, not only a subject matter expert in it, uh, became a digital asset manager uh, for about six years professionally. And then um, people were asking me, well, do you consult in this? Uh, and I was like, yeah, I can consult. And eventually the, the right opportunity came up um, for me to consult in digital asset management, uh, which is basically managing audio, video, text, graphics, photos, things that people create and want to find repeatedly, whether it's on your phone or in your archive or pictures of your kids or whatever that looks like. And, um, but do it for organizations, do it for medium to large organizations. The opportunity came up to become a, a consultant in that space. And eventually, um, I, I have been a consultant in that space for almost 10 years now. Um, and the adventure continues because not only do I do it for my own consulting firm, but I get to do it for many, many different sectors, uh, everything from advertising and automobiles and construction and education and finance and journalism and manufacturing and marketing and media and retail and and uh, um, uh, technology uh, companies literally all over the world and uh, in the process people have asked me more details about it because I'm one of six people in the world that do it independently from other companies because I'm vendor neutral uh, in the space and um, in the process I've written about nine books. And I've done about nine podcasts, uh, some directly related to digital asset management and some tertiary and some completely unrelated. Uh, So that's what I've been doing. I love it. One of six people in the world. We have a bonafide heavy hitter, folks, or as we like to call them, tiny giants. So thanks for taking us on that journey. Now, given where you sit, right, as one of six people in the world who do with you what you do and have your breadth of experience and been on your journey, are there any non-obvious sort of gotchas 
or things that you would tell someone just getting into the space or maybe a little bit more interested in what you had to say or, you know, read your books that coming into the space, they they would not have an appreciation for. Like, for example, I'm a professional digital marketer. And when I first got in, um, involved, I got a lot of bad information. Sure. Right. I, I just I did what everybody else does. Mm-hmm. I went to Google and typed in how to make money online. Right. And next thing you know, I I got involved in all kinds of nonsense that we won't go into here. But again, given your 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 perspective as a tiny giant from that 10 story, 20 story penthouse view, and you can see for miles on the horizon, you know, what advice or what sort of, you know, gotchas what you advise people to um, you know just just be aware of mm-hmm. in the space that you occupy thanks for that question I'm gonna give a broader perspective on that because it's a matter of not only knowing what you do want but what you don't want as far as things you want to do and you learn those things over time you have to try them out make sure you don't want them or you do want them because it's like photography like I I aspired to become a magazine photographer and then I aspired, I was like, oh, I want to be a war photographer. So I met war photographers and I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> don't, I, I'd like to live longer. Don't want to dodge <laughs> any bullets. <laughs> uh, and, and there's, there's, so there's, there's clients I want for work for, there's people I want work for. Um, and th- those are, those are learnings from, from understanding how, how things work over time. And it is things that you have to experience first to one degree or another. Unless they're really, really unsavory individuals or unsavory companies, for that matter, and and we won't have to mention any because we already know a pile uh, that don't have to be mentioned. But uh, there, there's it's a matter of understanding what you do want and what you don't want in in your career, right? In in whatever whatever your passion is, you'll figure that out. And and it's not just I don't wanna. It's try and see and make sure that's not what you want. Um, because you'll be pleasantly surprised and you don't want to listen to everyone's advice back to your point earlier, because there's a lot of bad advice out there. Um, and sometimes it'll come from your family or friends or whomever you might know or don't know for that matter. Um, and, and I would say 98% of the advice I get or, or, or things that I hear, especially from my podcasts are from people I do not know. That does not matter whether I know them or not. It's whether it makes sense and whether you can execute that too, right? Because not everything's applicable, right, to every situation or every uh, 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 passion or whatever you want to call it or career, um, and and it's a matter of of a discerning, right? Discernment is very very important. It's I don't think it's taught in schools anymore. Kind of like debating things, right? Um, not only amongst your friends or family. And having an open dialogue, not a screaming match, that's not the goal, but being able to discuss things and, and upping your game and upping your communication skills right in the same process. Because if you can up your communication skills and you can communicate better than others, you can get your point across and be understood better and you'll be clearer in however you're trying to communicate. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I love that because, you know, in analytics, we call those negative data points. So not only knowing what you want, but also what you don't want and why. Right. So because a lot of times we focus on going towards something, but it's like, okay, and and that's important to be focused and have goals. But it's like, okay, well, if you give someone two options and they pick one, 
well, why didn't they pick the other one? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's the question. And I love how you frame that. Uh, Makes a lot of sense. And we are definitely um, on similar accord as it comes to that. So this has been a great conversation. We are going to take a short break. But when we come back, we're going to hear more from tiny giant Henrik de Stay tuned and we'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. And we're back. So, Henrik, first half was amazing. You have written nine books. That's one short of 10. So clearly um, you are trying to make a, a, a dent in the universe as, you know, Steve Jobs would put it. So part of the, you know, benefits of being a giant in your space, one of six people in the world who do what you do is that you can have those types of impacts. So tell us a little bit more about the change that you're trying to make in your space. Well, what I try to do is, is I find niches. I find niches that don't either of, of a group of people that don't have a voice or are not heard of enough and have value in the world that scratch or that cause not only creativity, but also curiosity. Uh, it evokes curiosity from my perspective. And when I find that niche and I find them fairly often, hence the nine books, because they're all niche books, they're all uh, nonfiction. They're all technical for the most part. Um, but what I try to do is I take the technical subject and I break it down to very, very fine elements. So there's no like code. There's no like heavy, heavy, like acronyms unless they're spelled out. Um, it's a matter of figuring out, okay, how do you boil this down to simple elements? So most people can understand it. And the way I do that is I interview people. I interview lots of people that I'd never met before. And I reach out to them. I literally reach out to them on social media networks. And I say, hey, uh, I found you and you talk about topic X, this niche topic that I have interest in. And I think you have something to say. I'd like to interview you about this for a very short period of time. I don't do the Tim Ferriss podcast equivalency. Uh, I'm not Oprah either. Um, So it's a matter of, uh, because what I found is in in the podcasting world, and you probably found this too, expectations are only increasing and uh, patients are only decreasing. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. So that formula, and they're not changing in in equal order (laughs) in any way, shape or form. (laughs) Um, Most of my podcasts are five to 15 minutes long, quite literally. So that's how long the interview is typically, the edited interview. Um, so I, I have very little fluff, let's just call it, in my interviews, uh, in my entire podcasts. And what I do is I interview lots and lots of people about the same topic. And I ask them the exact same questions. They're boilerplate questions. 
and, and I'll get to a different thing uh, uh, of how I do that later. But basically, that's how I did my nine podcasts. And most of my nine podcasts have an accompanying book. And the way I do it is I interview a pile of people, I'm going to say, sometimes a dozen, sometimes a hundred, sometimes 50. And I uh, transcribe those interviews. I do a lot of editing. Now, granted, it's very easy to do editing when you have four or five boilerplate questions, right? Because whether T answered it or Henrik answered it or whomever answered it, right? It's not going to be the same answer, interestingly enough. Everyone has a different perspective. Everyone. I've interviewed hundreds of people, asked the exact same question. Almost always, I have a different answer. That's the fascinating part. So different perspective, different experience, of course, that leads leads that perspective. And that's how I figure out what's missing in the market in that niche. So that niche is usually I'm the first to hit that niche often, or I want to lend a perspective on it that never been looked at before. And you can take a look at some of the, the books and podcasts that I've done, and you'll understand what those niches are, and I can go with them. But basically, I go into the niche, I dive deep, and sometimes it's three to six months, sometimes it's a year that I'll dive deep into it. Um, the, the latest one was, uh, I'm still diving into it, and it, it's, it's been over a year. And, and it's, it's, it's fascinating because it's still evolving very quickly, which is really, really fascinating. Some things are fairly static, and... Some things have a lot more audience interest than others, but I'm not going for mainstream media subjects. I'm going for the niche, the very, very, very specific, like nuanced thing that I think is very fascinating. It has not been unpacked clearly enough by whomever might be talking about it. Sometimes there are experts in there, but they're very uh, closed for the lack of a better term, um, about it um, for a variety of reasons. Um, and and I wanted to to open it up so that there can be a larger dialogue and better understanding about it. So that's how I try to reshape the landscape. I love that. You actually remind me of Anthony Bourdain, whom I was like a cult classic. I love that dude because what made Anthony Bourdain special or unique in my eyes is that he was not the boilerplate travel show. He would specifically travel to places that other travel shows didn't want to go. He like go to the Congo, like, 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 like deep, deep into, you know, in the river basin. And then he would make it a point not to hit the tourist traps, Mm -hmm. right? He would make it a point to know, actually go to somebody grandmama house and have a meal and a discussion with a real person who actually lives in that location. So that you are, you know, you're kind of like the sole survivor of, of Anthony Bourdain. That just makes me really, really happy. And it uh, doesn't surprise me given your background. So now I want to switch gears a little bit and, and sort of get a parental perspective from you, or at least some parental advice, because, you know, sort of two of the stats that are marquee stats that I I tout a lot for this show. The first is that according to a study by Lego and Harris poll, three times as many children ages eight to 12 want to be YouTubers than astronauts. Now follow that up from a global study. This is worldwide, six countries from Adobe. And it found that almost 50%, 49% of Gen Z intends to pursue content creation as a career. And of course, we know that, you know, it's one of those things. If everybody's a creator, 
The space is that much noisier. There's that much more competition. And so niching down or niching, however you say it, niching down becomes that much more important, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's part of the conversation that, at least from my perspective, I don't know if young people appreciate enough because they, uh, you know, I have a 13-year-old, right? I have a 13-year-old, a nine-year-old, and a six-year-old. All of them love YouTube, right? But my 13-year-old wants to be a gamer, wants to play video games all day. And, and there's a path for that. But to your earlier point, it's that, you know, high adventure, that their adventure pay scale <laughs> ratio, right? Mm-hmm. High adventure, low pay. And so, you know, given the, the landscape of that, if you were to talk to someone like me, right? Someone like me who has young children and um, they they want to pursue content creation, how would you coach us and guide me through sort of having those sort of talks with my little people? Yeah. So so there's two perspectives, right? There There's the, the naysayers so like, no, you shouldn't do that. You should go to school and, you know, uh, do what everyone else does, you know, after they go to school, uh, aside from accumulate debt. Um, and, uh, um, you know, do the blah, blah, blah degree and, and follow that thing and, and, and don't do the, the content creation, but then there's the creative aspect, right? The, the, the scratch that itch and try it right back to, to try getting that experience of doing it. Right. And it's not expensive. Let's be honest. Right. You don't need one of these, right. To do it. You, you just need, you know, the phone, right. Which Basically, most teenagers have one, whether we like it or not, <laughs> and they can do almost everything with said phone, uh, <clears throat> unless you want to get them a laptop or a, a, an access to a computer for that matter, right? And it's if they really want to do content creation, let them, let them try, you know, put, put the guardrails on there, right? And, and make sure they're not going down the wrong path of, you know, because there's not everyone's great in the world, right? Let's just be honest. Um, and but they're going to learn that very quickly. And you want to make sure that you keep them relatively safe, but you want them to you want to allow them to trip and fall, rhetorically speaking, right? And have learn how hard it is to do content creation, because the likelihood that they're going to follow someone's model and do the exact same thing and make millions of dollars is extremely low. Yep. Let's be honest. Very low. Um, I don't make millions of dollars with my podcasts, nor my books, right? And that's not my goal. If you're trying to do make make millions of dollars writing a book, you're writing it for the wrong reason. Ditto. And that's from an author, right? Yep. And many authors will tell you the same thing. There's a few, very few lawyer, very few uh, 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 authors that write 18 books a, a year right? That make millions of dollars and they don't write their own books. Okay. Some of them are James Patterson. Okay. He literally outputs 18 books a year and he does that. Now that's content creation. That's the writing stuff. Now you're talking about YouTube. Great. You can do YouTube videos. You, the, your phone, it can do that, right? You can output, uh, you can have a, a, a YouTube channel and with parental permission, you can probably publish as well, realistically speaking and, and preview it. Right. Make sure it's it's appropriate content. You won't necessarily approve of everything that's done or said there, but um, you know you have to have some leeway in what they're trying to do within reason. 
you know, within the the guidelines of not getting kicked off the channel is, is probably one of those, right? Um, otherwise, you know, your follower counts may dwindle to zero, or it may never get published, or it may be taken off the the site itself. So um, they have to learn the marketing aspect. That's a really good channel to try to learn the marketing aspect because you don't just market on YouTube. You have to market elsewhere because not everyone's just like, oh, glued to YouTube all day long and not focus on any other channel known to mankind, right. regardless of what the topic happens to be for your show, right? If there is a topic, let's pretend there's a, there's a niche, right? There's a there's a focus of some sort, right? Not just day in the life of you know whomever, right? Um, it, there's usually going to be some kind of focus. Even if it's like a, a, the equivalent of a Twitch channel, right, or whatever. If you want to do the the, the video game channel, um, I would highly recommend trying to learn how to not only game but create a game, parts of a game. I know people who are doing who literally are creating if, if part of their course as a as a computer engineer, computer science. This is a degree, right? Uh, is is one of the classes for an entire semester is you're going to create. A video game, not, you know, the equivalent of, you know, uh, World of Warcraft or whatever uh, to, by tomorrow or in, in two months and, uh, and not Pong either. Right. We can probably do better than that, but something better, right? Something creative and learn all the technical aspects of the sound, the, the, the visual, how everything's going to be moving, et cetera, all that stuff, all there's so many factors in, in play. It, it's it's mind-blowing. And people don't have the understanding until they actually dive in, right? And they go, oh, you mean I'm not moving on a 2D subject? It's not, it's better than Pac-Man, right? Oh, okay. Okay. Well, let, let's let's try a little higher. So, so you know, like let's just call Pong on the level. Then you have Pac-Man 2D, right? And then you have, you know, whatever the top game in 3D, you know, VR or whatever is. And, and I'm not a gamer, so I'm not going to pretend to know what that is. But God of War Ragnarok. There, there you go. Thank you. That one. <laughs> Great yes. toast. Sure, sure. So, so there, there's probably a stupid amount of work involved in that one, right? And there's a lot less work involved on those. But you're probably trying to aim somewhere in between, probably a little closer to the, the – Maybe a little bit better than Pac-Man uh, on your first try, especially if you're doing it alone. Uh, granted, the classes don't do it alone. They, they have a team of people for obvious reasons. And you'll figure out why there's a team of people doing it because people have strengths and weaknesses and you want to use your strengths, maybe learn on your weaknesses. But usually people like myself, we hire our weaknesses. <laughs> we hire out for things that I don't want to do or I'm really bad at doing unless I want to learn everything, which is not my goal, right? So if you don't want to learn everything under the sun, which is not very realistic, back to the what you don't want to do versus what you do want to do, right, um, is figure it out and learn on your own and not go, that, don't base it on how many followers you have or how many likes you have. Back to, honestly, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, that's his advice too. And I, I actually value that part of, of what he tells people is when someone young, it doesn't really matter what age they are, wants to start a YouTube channel or whatever, some kind of content creation, don't look at the follower count. Ignore it completely. I had the luck, the luck, it's very much luck, that when I first blogged, the very first blog post, I ranted, literally, in safe for work words, I ranted about everything that's wrong with digital asset management and why people 
are doing it or not doing it. That was my very first blog, blog post. And I was one of the very first bloggers, the lone bloggers, not the ones working for companies, right? Lone bloggers talking about it because I was doing it. I was, I was in it very thickly. And I was kind of fed up with it because there was no outputs. There was no channel to channel my frustration and say, this is how I did it. This is my learnings. This is my stumblings. This is all my challenges. And this is how I work through them, right? So I literally like spilled my guts for the lack of a better term and shared my successes and the big F word failures. I call them challenges because people don't like that F word at all. They don't like lots of F words. <laughs> so, so failures is one of the top ones that they don't like. Right? I've learned that early on. So you call them challenges. They like challenges because challenges are something that you can succeed over, right? And so I, one of the very first questions I ask people is, what are your biggest successes and challenges in whatever the topic I'm talking about is? And people will happily give you success and challenge. Sometimes it's the same topic. And it's like, the challenge was this, and I overcame it with a success here, like this way. And that's a great lesson. And one of the things that people have told me in feedback is it's the very first thing that people look in my podcast. They'll skip. They don't care who's talking. They don't care what company they're working for. They don't care what they do. They care about what was the challenge and how they overcame it, period. And if if they could just run through the, the transcript, hint, hint, um, about the podcast, they would just jump to that part and read that part. Wow. That's gold. You just got a master's class, folks. Didn't cost you a dime. So, Henrik, this has been great. But before we roll out the red carpet and get all of your books and social media handles, got to ask you a question. Sure. And it's kind of unfair. I know it's like asking you to pick between your children. But of the nine books, which is your favorite and why? Uh, good question. So, so it is like picking your children, right? Because you, you spent a lot of time and effort on them. I'm going to say my most recent is, is my, my, my current favorite Be- and, and not just because it's the most recent, but because it's still evolving and it's really, really fascinating. And it has to do with, uh, the title is synthetic media, uh, the next reality. Um, and basically it goes into how synthetic media, future of the metaverse as well, will involve all five senses. Mm, I like that. That's what you call wetting somebody's appetite. I like it. You've piqued my interest already. So Henrik, this has been amazing. Do you have any giant projects coming up beside the books, any speaking engagements? This is where we roll out the red carpet, give everybody your social media handles where they can find you. And thanks so much for coming on the show. Sure. Yeah. So I am working on my 10th book. I expect it to come out uh, probably uh, Q2. So second quarter, probably around March of next year. Uh, That is going to be about mentorship, uh, straight from mentors themselves on how to mentor entrepreneurs. The hard part. I dig it. uh, If they want to (laughs) listen, because they don't always listen. (laughs) Right. So that's my my latest uh, book that's coming out uh, in a few months. Uh, I've been working on it. Uh, Already interviewed a whole lot of people about it. Um, And uh, I've been told this is a need in the market. So I'm working on that. Um, As far as social media, you can find me under my name on LinkedIn. That's my most popular channel. I am on Twitter. Uh, I rarely go on it. I'm uh, HGG101 uh, on there. And um, I am on Instagram on rare occasions. Uh, you can see some pictures of my books and me, uh, if that matters. Um, you can find me on there uh, under my name. Uh, you can find uh, my website, henrikdegior.com. You can find all my projects, 
all my speaking engagements, past and upcoming, there as well. And if you want to reach out to me, that is where you can reach out to me uh, because you'll find my email and you can contact me or you can book time with me as well. I dig it. LinkedIn folks, head there now if you want some more awesome. Henrik, this has been great. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Steve. Tiny Giants is an audio companion to and the first chapter of my first book, Beyond Buzzwords. Social media, mobile, and other marketing buzzwords ain't the half of it. Available on Amazon. If you enjoyed this podcast, chances are good you'll like the book too. I'm proud to say that while the book has aged, it's not dated. Sure, some examples could be freshened up, but strategically, it's as rock solid as the day it was written. Not every author can say that. I encourage you to pick it up and leave me a rating and review. It really helps. I have like one rating on that book from my mom because she loves me, and I'm positive that you'll love it too. Head on over to tinygiants.tech for more episodes and whatever else I have going on. While you're there, leave me a voicemail with your question, comment, or feedback for improvement. I may play that voice recording on a future episode as I answer your question or address your concern. If you, your company, or school needs help with college, career, and creator readiness strategy or to book me to speak, drop me a line at t at tinygiants.tech. If you or someone you know is doing big things in small or not so small niches, or as we like to call them, tiny giants, and they will make a great guest for the show, email me at t at tinygiants.tech. Thanks for listening. And remember, you get big by going small, but to prioritize career over celebrity. But no matter what you choose, know that I'm rooting for you. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.